0: Alright, this, w- this week I want to uh, title the message, Hurt Gain. We're going to read from Philippians in just a second here. But um, many of you know that they, the government came out with a new set of lessened restrictions this week. And I want to say congratulations to the, the hairdressers who are back in business again that's great. Congratulations. I also want to say that I'm going to have my scissors and clippers at the building all these next three weeks. And so if you want to pop in, I can give you a little dooby-dooby-doo for, for a really reasonable price. And uh, we can have some encouraging conversation while I begin the journey of learning how to cut hair, if you want that. Um, but I also just want to to mention that, you know, I was somewhat surprised that this this week and the announcements and the Churches not having any um, part of the lessening of the restrictions hit me way harder than I thought it was going to this week. I, I've kind of been doing an okay job of keeping my spirits up and in it, but this week uh, it just it just felt a little bit like Captain Kirk doing the double legged drop kick to the back of the Zorn's head if you've ever seen that episode. If you had haven't, don't Google it. But um, it it took me out a little bit, and so. I've been thinking about suffering. I've been feeling frustrated, trying to work that through in a godly way. Hopefully I've more or less been successful at that. But I know there's lots of um, frustration around here. Um, And not everybody's there. Some people are really enjoying this time. It's just been a wonderful thing, and they're feeling the benefits more than the cost. And you know what? Be blessed if that's your experience on it. But uh, this was a, a rougher week for me in lockdown zone. And so I've been thinking about this whole idea of just having to go through this and there not being a lot you can do. I, I've, I'm not, I, I'm, I think I've learned for sure that I would make a terrible international espionage spy because it just doesn't come naturally, you know. Just putting together these rings of communications and drop boxes and secret codes and stuff, it just does not come naturally. So um, I'm going to withdraw my application to join CSIS and just be a regular civvy for the rest of my life. But. Um, Many of you are feeling that as well. That this has just been a, a harder season on top of a harder season and maybe um, some disappointment going in there. At the same time, um, I was talking with someone this week and they, were, they had just come back from the dentist. And dentists are wonderful people. Dental hygienists are wonderful people. Um, but I... They're they're for many of us associated with unpleasantness. Am I the only one here? Um, I'm sure it's nobody's fault in particular, but totally this whole world of dentistry is controlled by a few childhood memories of going to the dentist as a kid and it wasn't the scraping it's not necessarily the flossing even though my gums seemed to contain a few liters of blood that like to come out during those experiences but for me it was always the fluoride the fluoride experiences back in the you know 80s 90s when they had the cups in there and they put the the goop in there that tasted like something that was left over from a petroleum refining process and Just as a child with those things in your mouth, it felt like you were trying to hold two caterpillars, gigantic caterpillars, from jumping down your throat, but you can't squeeze them too hard or else they'd explode and squirt caterpillar juice all over your tongue. Like, that's what it felt like. And so that was just an unpleasant experience. But then there's also drilling and holes and fillings and all these things. Anyhow, this individual was was working on something, and they said, yeah, I was just at the dentist, and I opted to have no pain relievers, like no needles, no Novocaine, no nothing. And it's kind of like, what? Why would you do that? He said, well, so that I could be sharp afterwards and not go through the rest of my day with this numbness. And they had kind of chosen to have a short period of elevated pain in order to have um, no grogginess or no leftover afterwards. And so I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about Suffering in the Christian life and being stuck in suffering in the Christian life. And I'm going to read this passage from Philippians. You've, you might know it if you've been a Christian for a while. It's one of the more famous passages from Scripture. But as I read this here, I, I want to explain why I've invented this word, hurt gain. I feel like for many Christians, it is impossible for us to hear the word suffering in Scripture without getting discouraged. It's just a word that is a discouraging word whether it's the sufferings of Christ or the call to suffering or to participate in suffering. I don't know many people who are naturally excited or encouraged or not discouraged when they hear the S word. This is the Christian S word that we try to avoid a little bit. And so I just think, you know, we need a word that can help us catch the goodness of what the Holy Spirit means when he talks about suffering in Christ or the sufferings of Christ. And so I thought, hey, why don't we invite a word that, that involves pain but also has good stuff in it. And so I've invented this word, hurt gain. Everybody say hurt gain. Okay, I'm, one more time for you people on in the internet. Children, make sure your caregivers or parents participate. One, two, three. And it just combines these two words of hurt, which is something unpleasant, but gain, which is something we all want. Don't you want to gain things? Yeah, we love gaining things. We love advancing. We love turning out better. We love succeeding. We want our teams, any, any teams playing later today? Wouldn't you like them to gain a, another number in the W file or column, whatever? Stay away from the L. Gain something in the W. Yeah, we love gaining. And I think if we hear what the Spirit says through scriptures about suffering, we would realize that we should never hear the S word without a promise inside of it. It should always be the concept of hurt gain. Even though I'm not criticizing translators, hurt gain needs to be something that we can reckon with here. So I'm going to read from Philippians here, and we can advance the slide if you want to, if you can see that. We're still figuring out what font sizes are best for the viewers at home. But we're in Philippians chapter 3. And what I'm going to do, just for emphasis, I'm going to read verse, verses uh, The second half of verse 8 through 10, and then I'm going to read the whole thing again so we get a bit more context, okay? These are the very words of God. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. All right, so having heard this once, here's the background. The Apostle Paul is in prison. Again, and not locked down prison where you can still get Amazon deliveries to your house. This is like the real deal Roman soldier type where he's chained to a guy whose job is to kill him if he tries to get away. But for Paul, he thinks this is a good thing because his audience for evangelism also can't get away. So he's working on the soldiers and he says, because I've been imprisoned, actually soldiers are hearing the gospel. So he's doing his thing of being... um, the energizer budding spiritually and just keeping going, whatever his circumstances are. But he's writing to this church, and he knows one of the problems in his churches is that people will follow behind him wherever he plants churches, and they will say, if you want to be a real Christian, if you want to be a real follower of God, you have to get circumcised. And they will try to add this physical surgery onto the list of things you need to do in order to be right with God. And Paul's gospel, and the gospel of the Bible, is no. No one can be saved by what they do. We need to be saved as a gift from God. The only righteousness that counts is the one that you get as a free gift when you believe in Jesus. And that truth is so important that it's just Jesus, only Jesus, faith in Jesus, by grace in Jesus, because of what Jesus did on the cross. That truth is so important that anybody who tries to add to that is actually working against what God is doing through Christ. And so... He writes about these guys that he calls dogs and mutilators of the flesh. And he's going to talk about how even though spiritually and as an Israelite, he had everything going for him. Every type of gain you could want to give you favor in God's sight. Paul has given it all up. He's not trusting any of it in order to just trust in Christ. And so this is what he says. This is starting in verse 2. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. He's saying, I had the perfect spiritual pedigree. And I was so zealous for God, I was attacking Jesus. Fail. But, and this is what we read before whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share in His sufferings, becoming like Him In his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Father, would you help me? I feel like I've bitten off a huge topic and a huge idea, and I believe I have hardly even begun the journey to this. But Lord, it seems to me so necessary that we keep hearing what you have to say about hurt gain about how much there is to be gained by embracing the sufferings of following Jesus and trusting in him alone in this life. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd work in our minds and our hearts together, that, Lord, we would become as zealous as Paul for knowing Christ in the midst of loss and considering all loss, hurt, gain in order to attain to the resurrection and truly know Jesus. And God, I pray for great grace for ourselves and for each other as you walk us on this journey. In Jesus' name, I ask these things, knowing that his great love is unstoppable and immeasurable. Amen. Amen. <coughs> Excuse me. I find five things I want to say about hurt gain that I think are really important. This idea that there is so much to gain by walking with Jesus in suffering. That there is so much to gain by losing things that maybe we think we can't lose and survive in order to lay hold of what we've got because of faith in Jesus. And you can hear Paul talking about this. He's saying, you know, I had this life that was I was, I was MVP of, of every game as an Israelite Pharisee. I was top of my class, top of my game. I was first round draft pick. I was the hat trick scorer on my team. I was the top of the top and I gave it all away and I lost everything in order to gain Jesus. You can hear him saying that and you can hear him being grateful for it and happy for it. But the S word keeps coming up as he's talking about the process of this happening for him. And remember, he's writing from prison. And I've never been to prison, and most of us have never been to prison. And if anybody at church has been to prison, it tends to not be because you've been following Christ, but for maybe moments in your life when you weren't. We still love you. and You've got a home here. But um, that's where we're at. And so it's but it's easy to miss. I, You know, I, I push myself and I catch myself so often in this letter forgetting where it's coming from. And like half of Paul's letters came from prison, something like that. Maybe it's only a third, but so much of the New Testament was written because the guy was in lockdown again. And he wasn't doing bad things. He wasn't starting riots and he wasn't attacking people. He just kept telling the truth about Jesus. But when you tell the truth about Jesus... Because Jesus is God, because he's the son of God, because he's the only Savior and the only true president and the only true prime minister and the only one who can really help, when you preach about who Jesus really is and call people to turn away from what they've been trusting instead of Jesus, people don't want to hear it. They want to attack you. Don't threaten my life. Don't threaten my trust. Don't threaten my system. Don't threaten the way I've got things. If you keep talking like that, it's going to make me feel like there's something wrong. You need to shut up now. You need to shut up now. Okay, if you won't shut up, we're coming after you. Okay, we're going to have to shut you up with chains. That's the typical pattern for Paul's life. Every time he goes to a city, he tells people about Jesus. Initially, there's some happiness. Then people start feeling envious or threatened. <laughs> they start throwing things at him. And then he goes on to another city if he can get out before they arrest him. That's the pattern of his life. It's not the pattern of my life. But, But there's five things I want to say about hurt gain to help us want to have our mindsets renovated and resurrected in order to be like Paul and to be like the Holy Spirit working in Paul. If you hear me say, let's be like Paul, don't hear me say, let's be like some guy who lived a long time ago. What I'm saying is, let's be the kind of people who are so captured by Christ and so filled and led by the Holy Spirit that our lives imitate him and reflect him. Not to become like him, the man, but to become like him, the spirit-filled child of God. Amen? That's what I'm talking about. So that's what I want you to hear. But here's five things. Number one, hurt gain is offensive. Number two, hurt gain is inevitable. Number three, hurt gain is worshipful. Number four, hurt gain is useful. And number five, hurt gain is f- fruitful and i'll explain all these things but number one hurt gain is offensive there are many areas in our life where we understand no pain no gain maybe you have some of these areas in your life anybody here who like wants to work out anybody here lift weights anytime do push-ups or something like that you tend to do that stuff until it hurts Right? You, you feel like you've only done a good job when you, when you go like this and your pecs burn. You're like, oh, that hurts. That was so awesome. You know, you, you think you've only done a good job when it starts to hurt. Now, there's a lot of physical activity like that. And we like physical activity and we make heroes of our, out of our physical activity. And sometimes, you know, we expect our <clears throat> physical athletes to actually almost destroy themselves, but to work through the pain. I was just reading this quick article on the news recently about some football guy and you probably know who he is and i don't but he just spent a year playing sports when his knees were blowing out and he just had to have like double knee surgery or something like that and then he was tweeting while he was still coming off of the painkillers and said stuff he shouldn't have it whatever but the whole point was this is normally and expected and heroic to play football through your knees being destroyed and and we would say no pain no gain that's what you're there to do right you're a professional athlete And so there are areas of life where we we actually respect people doing hurt gain. We totally respect them. Suffering to be great. Suffering in order to gain the trophy or the ring or whatever it is. But there is something about how we think about God. That when God's in the equation, we don't want the suffering. And it's not just us. It's everybody. If God's in the room, I shouldn't have to suffer. It's kind of like this assumption that all religion have. And if we're suffering, then obviously we're abandoned. Zeus, where are you? <clears throat> I'm in shipwrecked again. What did I do? Oh, I forgot to poke out the bull's eye before I sacrificed. I touched this cow. It's a holy cow. Okay, you're mad at me, and that's why I'm suffering. There's kind of this assumption that if God's in the room, there should be no suffering. And even God's people were thinking like this. Both the pagans and God's people. So we'll start from a a story of God's people. You might remember when Jesus is leading his disciples and he's performing miracles and their faith in him is growing and he can see he's doing all kinds of stuff. Demons run away. Healings are happening. No one can beat Jesus in an argument. But Jesus knows his mission, and his mission is to be crucified for his people. He's known that the whole time he knows that he's the suffering servant from Isaiah. He knows that from from Genesis, from righteous Abel's death at the hands of Cain, all the way through the Old Testament, the, the imagery and the prophecy has been that the Messiah would have to suffer and have to die. And so he knows his mission, and he's on mission. And so he begins to teach them, and in Matthew 16, 21, he says... From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things you could say and hurt gain many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him saying far be it from you lord you this shall never happen to you. See in his head he had no room for the messiah doing hurt gain suffering not allowed. But he turned, Jesus, and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. See, Peter has this, like, just worldly mindset right there, where it's just like, God's here, the Messiah's here, it's just got to be from... Gain to gain to gain to gain, but never hurt gain. It's got to be winning, 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 but never suffer, die first in order to win. And so he... I don't even know what you would have to do if you've just been walking with somebody for weeks, months, and years and seeing them doing all kinds of miracles and they're right all the time. And then they say, I got to go get killed in Jerusalem. You're like, man, you're wrong. You know, take them aside. What's wrong with you? Are you drunk? You made all that wine? Maybe you had a little water to wine fest on your own. No, no, no. This is not going to work. And Jesus rebukes him with the strongest rebuke. He rebukes any of his Disciples ever as soon as he sees Peter starting to um, reject cross shaped discipleship and rejecting this this the possibility of hurt gain being the way he gets this big rebuke. The Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthian church, talking about the gospel, he says, and this is chapter one verse twenty. He says, Where is the one who is wise? And where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of the world, the world didn't know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For the Jews demand signs and the Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Crucified a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And there's something about the human mind that cannot hold together, apart from the grace of God and belief in Jesus, suffering and godly power. Weakness and divine triumph can't hold it together. So that the Apostle Paul says, when we come and preach to you, God is rescuing the world through this carpenter who was tortured and bloodied and hung till dead on a piece of wood by a Roman soldier. Hallelujah, believe. When people respond, oh my goodness, we're saved. He says, this is the power of God. Because the the gospel was designed to be offensive to what we love. The second thing I want to say, just so that we can acknowledge, it's it's kind of offensive. We don't like it. We don't want it. It's frightening. It's scary. It sounds terrible. It sounds like a bad deal. That's not the whole story. Hurt gain is inevitable. We're reading through the book of Acts. Um, As a family, we just read a chapter individually in a night we come back together and we just share what we think is cool and sometimes it's uh, profound and sometimes it's just interesting like hey the number three appeared three times in this chapter and It's awesome. I'm learning tons. But one of the things that was kind of highlighted was Acts chapter 14, verse 21 and following, where the Apostle Paul, he's traveling around to his churches, and it says, And when they preached the gospel in that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. These are different cities in the Mediterranean. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. So here he's saying it's inevitable. It, the way to the kingdom, the way to your final destination is through many tribulations. You gain eternal life through this hurt, through hardship, through following the crucified Christ. It's through many tribulations that you're gonna get there. And and the thing that I love about this passage, it's like they're strengthening their souls and they're encouraging in them faith and saying, your hurt is normal. Being rejected is normal, being pushed back on is normal. It's just so normal. You're going to heaven. You're in the midst of hurt game. So right now and it's just for me if you know if we had this guest speaker come in and he was known for all of his powers and wonders and and he came in and he was just like, "Hey guys, okay, so it's going to get bad and then it's going to get worse and then you're going to die and go to heaven." Are you excited? Let's take off a ring. I just made up that song. But you're welcome to use it in February if you want to, Greg. That's my contribution. And so I'm just thinking about how inevitable it is because my tendency in life is to calculate how to dodge hurt gain. That's what I know about me. My tendency in life is to calculate, how do I dodge suffering for Christ? How do I minimize it, manipulate it, uh, master it? How do I do this? And the the reality is, no, my my days are in the hands of the crucified Lord, the one who is the master at taking people through suffering for glory. So it's going to come. Don't be surprised. Don't wake up in dread. It's going to come. It's going to be good. It's hurt gain. It's not just the suffering we fear. It's the suffering God takes people through for glory. But it's coming, and so let's not be surprised when it comes, and let's not be in fear when it comes. We know how the story ends. Christian, this is how the story ends. Jesus returns. There's a final judgment. You get declared to be a child of God. Forgiven of all your sins, you get a glorified body that shines like the sun. God looks at you and says to you, you are now a co-owner over all of the universe and you're never going to die. And you'll never cry a tear of sadness again. You'll never get older again. I don't even know if you're working out on the pec deck if you'll ever fear that feel that like tight, swole feeling ever again because you're why not have a body that can just a, do, 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 like just bulk up by will if you want to even if you need to bulk up. Do you need to what does strength look like in the new heavens and the new earth? Can you just command things? Why is everybody so thin? They don't have to do anything. There's a mountain I'm over here. Man, man, man. You're blocking my son. You know, I don't even know. It's going to be great. but hurt gain's inevitable. And so let's let's face it like an inevitability that's part of God's good plan for the church. So I said it's offensive, that's too bad, we can get through that by the grace of God. It's inevitable. Maybe that's too bad, but we can go through it by faith in the grace of God. Number 3, it's worshipful. And this is probably the best reason to embrace Hurt gain as a concept. The goodness of suffering on the journey with Christ through life. Um, did you know, as far as we can tell from scripture, Satan cannot believe that anyone would actually love God. His heart is so bitter. is so rage filled. He cannot believe that any person would actually love God for God. And we hear in the book of Job, where Satan appears in God's courts, there's this interaction. It's the first chapter, starting verse 8. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in all the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? So God says to Satan, Job's the best really cares about me, really loves me, loves my righteousness, turns away from things that would displease me. There's no one like him in all the planet. And Satan says this, verse 9, Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You've blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. This is Satan's conviction about everybody who says they know God. God, they only put up with you because you do good things for them. But if you take away their blessing, they'll hate you just like I do. And way too often we prove him right. The whole book of Job is about the fact that Even though Job squirmed and even though Job fussed and even though Job questioned God's justice and his righteousness, he yielded and he did not curse God to his face and proved that there was at least one person who who could go through hurt gain and worship God. And the life of Jesus Christ takes the book of Job to the nth degree that there was one man, the Son of God, who came to the earth and endured everything we fear and everything we hate and literally lost everything, including his life, in the worst possible way in order to prove that one person would worship the Father unto death. And silence the voice of the accuser who stands over all creation saying, God, they hate you like I do if you take away their blessings. And Jesus shut him up. And said, no, the new Adam of the new creation says to you, I will suffer shame and abuse and torture and death To prove that my father is worth everything. And I will win for my father a people who agree with me and not with you, Satan. I will put a new heart into their souls, a heart of flesh and not of stone, and I will move them to obey the laws of my father with joy. And they will lose and count it gain. And they will suffer and see it as the way to worship. They will be conformed to my cross and long to be participating in the suffering that leads to my resurrection. And because they do this, I will destroy empires and nations. In my wrath because of the worthlessness of unbelieving man compared to this bride of mine. The book of Hebrews talks about the saints of old who lived in caves and suffered loss for the sake of their faith in God. And it literally says the world is not worthy of these people. all the important folks at any inauguration that you could ever have all the important people together not worth one saint of christ who embraces hurt gain as worship and this is what paul's talking about here oh that i may know him Oh, that we might know Christ. Oh, God, that we might know Christ and the power of his resurrection and might share in his hurt gain, becoming like him in death, that by any means possible we might attain to the resurrection from the dead. Worship, worship, worship. Number four, it's useful. It's useful to suffer. It's useful, especially to other people, to have gone through suffering, to have braced some kind of hurt. Gain. I think it was Elizabeth Elliot said something along the ways of that something like most Christians aren't any good to anybody until they've really been hurt. And the Apostle Paul writes this in Second Corinthians one, starting in verse three. He says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort." Who comforts us in our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those in any affliction, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in, the, in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we're afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation, and if we're comforted, it's for your comfort so that you might experience, sorry, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, we will also share, you will also share in our comfort. Sorry, I'm lost in this passage, because it's one of the harder passages in Scripture to read out loud. But you might understand the big idea. He's like, guys, we are dying here. It's so uncomfortable. But as we endure this with our eyes on Christ, you get encouraged and you get comforted. And if you're comforted by our sufferings, it's worth it. And as we get comforted, you're comforted too. You're built up. And so then it's worth, worth it too. And there's something about going through sufferings in Christ where you're just more useful to hurting people and just more useful to sinners and just more useful to people because you get it and you understand. And there's something so holy and almost ununderstandable. Under, un- But those words in Hebrews where it says that Christ was perfected by what he suffered. Like somehow he needed to go through all of the junk that his people might ever go through in order for him to truly be the great high priest that we needed. But because Jesus suffered so much and so well, he can literally come to any of us in any of our circumstances and say, I know exactly what you're going through. And I want to help. Even though he was the son of God. He had to go through hurt gain so that he could be so useful to us. And we would have this great confidence going. One of the things about hurting is that it is one of the most lonely experiences we can go through. Because we all know that nobody totally knows what it's like to hurt like we hurt. It's so lonely to be in pain. Because you can't give it away. (laughs) You might give somebody else their own pain. (laughs) You're there, that's what I feel like. But it's still you, locked up in this body, all by yourself, experiencing your pain. But Jesus is different than that. Because he lives in us through the Holy Spirit and through his experiences, he absolutely knows exactly what we're going through he's so useful to god in that way as our savior and even though we're kind of locked up in our bodies when we have gone through things with christ and we are humbled by it and we become more compassionate because of it when we have we've sinned and been forgiven when we've hurt and been healed and endured it we are so much more useful in the kingdom I know I had a sister one time in Christ who said, I know that you become more useful when you go through suffering, but I don't want to be this useful. And I get it. But it, it is good to be more useful to people by having gone through something. It is a great gain to be more patient and compassionate with other lonely lost people because of what we've been through. Amen? And finally, I want to say it's fruitful. And this might be one of the hardest ones to actually lay hold of by faith. Maybe it's just me. I hope, I hope it's just me. I hope you're all better at this than I am. But I'm just such a Canadian. I like to make fun of it, but I'm like you guys. I get stuck in the last 24 hours of the news cycle. I forget that there's a tomorrow sometimes, and I forget that there's a decade ahead, and I forget that there's a future, and I forget that there's a heaven, and I forget that there's a, a final judgment, and I forget that there's an eternal reward. I just forget. So pagan. But the scripture, again, Paul in 2 Corinthians, which is probably his most hurting letter. If you're a hurting person, I would encourage you to go through there and see what the Holy Spirit says through this hurting apostle to, to the church. But he says this in 2 Corinthians 14, 16. He says, We do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. They're going away. They're gone. But the things that are unseen are eternal. And what he's talking about there is, like, he is going through the worst stuff. There's a list later on in this same book where he talks about how he's, like, he's been, how many times he's been beaten, how many times he's been stoned, how many times he's almost died of shipwreck and sickness, and he's been attacked in the city and attacked in the wilderness and betrayed by brothers. He's talking about everything. It's like, every bad thing possible is normal for me, and it's just so hard. And he's even writing in this letter, he says at the beginning, We thought we were dead. We thought we were going to die. We thought that God had said, you're coming home today. It was so bad. And so he's not, the light momentariness is not what most of us would define as light and momentary. But he's saying, in comparison to the reward you get for going through this with faith, is really light. And compared to how long the rewards for going through suffering for Christ are, it's very momentary doesn't feel momentary. Anything feel momentary? If we just say, hey, this lockdown, how short has it been? Only a year. Only a year. So short. Well, you know, when we're in year 750,000 million of eternity, we're going to be like, remember that lockdown? No. So short. And that's what he's talking about. But he's, he's literally saying, you go through these afflictions With Christ. Whether they're like a demonic attack. Or a physical affliction. Or the hardships of faithfulness. Paul's pretty expansive. It's not like a narrow view of suffering. It's a big one. You go through this with Jesus. And there is gold. And trophies. And cities. And planets coming your way. That are specific gifts. From the king who says. I honor every soul who suffers for the glory of my Father. And Jesus is very generous. It's crazy. Just imagine how many planets you're going to get to build stuff on. The whole universe is ours, the whole universe is ours. In a short time, the most any of us are going to have to wait is maybe 90 years, plus whatever the experience of the afterlife is until Christ's return. And then whole galaxies, ours to explore. Hurt gain feels offensive because I think we assume that because God's in the room, We shouldn't have to go through a lot of what we end up going through. Hurt gain is inevitable. It is the way to heaven to go through trials and tribulation. Nothing can change that. Hurt gain is worshipful. The greatest, among the greatest honors we can show God in this life is to go through crud and say God is worth it. Hurt gain is useful. If we go through things well, we will be able to love and encourage and comfort others better because of it. And hurt gain is fruitful. All of our sufferings on the pathway of obedience will be rewarded by faith. In Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we pray we can invite the band up. Father, I... The tendency in the Christian life is for Christians to say, my sufferings have not been much, and other people have suffered more. And other people would look at us and say, I haven't suffered as much as you, you've suffered more. And who's comparing? We each have our own road to walk, our own crosses to bear in this life. But God, I pray you'd help me, and I pray you'd help everyone hearing this prayer to have a renewed mind. Lord, especially I want to take away those lies that say, life is hurting right now, God must be far. Or life is hurting right now, God must not like me. Or life is hurting right now, I must not be saved. Lord, that you take all of these lies out of our minds and out of our hearts and replace it with this hopeful idea of hurt gain that Jesus can lead us into and through and out of things that are so difficult but so ultimately good. And I pray, Lord, you'd raise up our faith in order to suffer better as worship unto the suffering Savior. And Lord, that you would help us to embrace things that will make us more useful and more worthy vessels of power in this life, this short life, Lord. And I pray, Lord, you'd help open up my mind and our mind to be able to see that there are such rewards coming for loss in this life. Even as Christ said, nobody who has lost mother or father or sister or brother or lands or houses or riches in this life will fail to receive a hundred times more, both in this life and along with persecutions, eternal life in the age to come. God, would you help us? Give us a zeal similar to what Holy Spirit put into Paul's heart. Lord, would you make Calvary Chapel taste the resurrection power of Christ? Not because we could ever earn it, but for your glory and for our joy in you. Fathers, you've taken us through this time where all the stuff we're good at as Westerners are kind of taken away from us. We're really good at big stuff and we're really good at big stuff and it's gone. God, I pray that you would help us just to keep saying, would you give us your power instead? Would you give us the resurrection power of Jesus instead Lord, would you take all the loss and give us this hurt gain of Jesus? Would you make us know the Lord, Lord? Would you make us know you, Jesus? This treasure that's better than any treasure in life, just knowing Christ. God, would you give it to us? And would you remove everything that's gotten in the way or does get in the way of that? In Jesus' name, let's worship.